The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT22 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. the most pleasant exhaustion podcast brought to you by itl coaching performance blue pineapple travel and slay rx my name is george darden i'm an endurance athlete and coach here in atlanta georgia i'm a father of twin boys and i'm a college professor my name is michelle frank i'm also an endurance athlete here in atlanta georgia i'm a mom to three girls and i'm a cpa and my name is eric hall i'm an endurance athlete and coach in raleigh north carolina i'm the father of three college students and the husband <laughs> to a beautiful wife melissa <laughs> We have the distinct pleasure of having a guest with us on the podcast who, shockingly, bewilderingly, we've never actually had before. Um, but just in time for next week's Blue Ridge Relay, we have the uh, the founder, the owner of Blue Ridge Endurance, Mr. Ken Savinsky. Ken, thanks for being here. And I'm the um, the husband of a, of a beautiful wife of 25 years and the father of uh, four beautiful children. And, and as you said, George, the, 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 the director of the Blue Ridge Relay. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and that's actually the perfect place to start because we wanted to hear a little bit about kind of where you came from and how you end up in Western North Carolina and how ultimately you got into race directing and specifically into the Blue Ridge Relay. So give us the give us the quick bio, Ken. Oh, my goodness. A quick bio. Uh, it sounds like it's a it's a, a century's worth of material. <laughs> um, no. So, um, yeah, for, former collegiate distance runner and um, ran, ran post-collegiate 
uh, had a great time, moved around a little bit following, uh, you know, following running dreams. And um, eventually uh, met my wife in, in graduate school at Wake Forest and uh, fell in love and moved to Columbus, Ohio for a little while and decided uh, at some point to move to North Carolina, or back to North Carolina. And we had an opportunity to do that. And um, after running hood to coast for a couple of years in the mid 90s, um, as Kristen and I were living here in North Carolina, we said, what a beautiful place. And we get to uh, be selfish and just consume this beauty as a runner all by myself. And uh, really the desire was to share uh, the beauty of our mountain home with other runners. And as we started thinking about Hood to Coast Relay, as we started thinking about where we live, uh, the two just uh, seemed to marry in terms of uh, growing into the Blue Ridge Relay. Were, were you already a race director at that point? Or did you just kind of say, this is something I want to try here. And then ultimately it blossomed into Blue Ridge Endurance. This was the, uh, Blue Ridge Relay was the first, our, our first dip into, into race directing. Yep. Very cool. Yep. Very cool. Yeah, it was, it was a long process. It started, it started about two years before we actually kicked off in 2005. So it was about a two year process to develop it, get the permits, get the permissions, lay out the course. And at that point, um, it was, you know, sitting at the dining room table with a map from every county and every community laid out on the table because we didn't have the online, uh, online mapping programs that we have today. So, you yeah, know, it took a little while to get it off the ground. So when you guys sat down with that map in 2003, because I think even the website says it took two years until the inaugural race in 2005, what was the goal? Um, what, what were you looking for when you went to map out the relay? Did you have specific roads in mind, a specific distance? Did it all just kind of come together once you got to the table? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, so we uh, we had been to Grayson Highland State Park, been up there hiking, and just, just knew it was a place of beauty. Um, and Asheville just seemed like a, a great point of a, a destination to finish the race. And it just worked out to be about 200 miles. And um, really just wanted to try to capture as many back roads and country roads as we possibly could uh, from, from point A to point B. Very cool. Very cool. And the 10 teams that ran the inaugural yeah. race, um, what, what do you think sold them on signing up for that relay in 2005? I mean, 10 teams is, you know, it's a small amount of number if you look at it now, but to have 10 teams times what, four to six, eight people each team buy in that first year, what do you think they were buying into? Yeah, we had 116 runners and we started advertising for that race, I think in May. So we had what, May, June, July, three to four months <clears throat> to advertise. And then the online presence of advertising and social media, it just wasn't there. So it was sending, yeah. flyers, out, it was sending flyers out to running stores and uh, making phone calls and that type of thing. And I remember walking down um, after the finish line, walking with Kristen, uh, my wife um, in Asheville after the last team finished and saying, I can't believe this just, this just worked. I yeah. can't believe that we had 10 teams that actually came out and ran with us and took a chance on this race um, of this bizarre idea. And um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what um, really the incentive was other than it seemed like a neat idea. Maybe they were familiar with the Hood to Coast relay, um, but here it was closer to home in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And maybe that's what, um, you know, that's what intrigued them. Did, did you know then when you were walking around at the finish line and those 10 teams had finished, did you know then that you were going to do it next year or that ultimately it was going to kind of become a giant race with 200 teams in it? Um, or were you just hoping? Uh, at that point, we were just hoping to get a little sleep. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I think I think there was a time to sit back and, and, and just re uh, reevaluate what happened for the year. Uh, truthfully, it was a <clears throat> it was a time for a young family um, where we lost quite a bit of money uh, with, you know, with 10 teams. And so really it was, it was a point just to sit down and just, just look at things again and say, Hey, can this grow? Um, it took us two years to get to this point. We've done the legwork. Now, can we get, you know, is there a chance that we could grow it to a point where we're not going to be losing money on it every year. And, uh, thankfully in year two, we saw some growth and, um, you know, we continue to see growth year after year that we got to a point where we weren't, you know, money wasn't coming out of our pocket and uh, we were able to do more with the funds that were coming in. Very cool. Well, 
what changed um, from year one to year two, do you think? Do you think it was just like word of mouth, people had a great time, so more people were participating and paying race entry, or did you actually have, you know, fundamental things that you did in the first year that you didn't continue? I think it was, uh, I think it was just word of mouth. And what we've seen over the year, over the years, over, over the 18 years, is that the most new people come to us, the most new teams come to us because it's word of mouth. And, That's awesome. uh, and that is one of the biggest compliments, you know, the two biggest compliments that we get. One are the teams will come back and run with us, uh, you know, year after year, just like GT Milk and Cookie Boys. Um, <laughs> you know, one of the biggest compliments that we could get. And the second compliment is that, is that team, new teams come to us because it's word of mouth. So, yeah, dude, you don't even that, know the half. It's like, it's an even it's bigger compliment ridiculous. than you think. <laughs> Like, just not only in terms of talking about on this podcast, but but we have a thriving text thread among the six people <laughs> on our team, the, the five of us who run plus our driver who runs the very first leg and then passes off to all the rest of us to run the remaining 35 legs um, that probably gets 50 text messages a day. Um, and so, <laughs> so and, the, and those of us who have to stand alongside them, <laughs> just kidding. I just wanted to pick at that a little bit, Ken. It was because I look at the journey that we went through to get there. Uh, Lee Ragsdale, friend of the podcast, he's been on a few times. He, he came to me in, I think, 2016. And he said, I've got this idea. I don't know if he had been talking to George, but he had talked to Brett Wellborn, I think, another one of our runners. And he said, I think I want to do this. He'd done it a few years. And he said, I think we should do this. And my first thought was, you're crazy. Because <laughs> he was talking me through the logistics. And, and I'm an engineer. And I was like, the logistics of this are insane. Um, but he, he talked about it enough through 2016 and 2017. And he created the GT Milk and Cookie Boys. And it's a throwback because we all went to Georgia Tech. And we were fraternity brothers. And one of the or one of the things that they called us were the milk and cookie boys on campus. So that's, that's where that comes from. It was not a, it was not a compliment when other fraternities called us that, but we owned it. <laughs> yeah, we did. We owned it. So my, my point there though, Ken, is that what it turned into was a year long preparation of debriefing the previous one, training for the next one, getting all excited about it, doing it, and then just starting that all over again. There's no question of whether or not we're going to do it again. You know, it's just, it's just, how do we get there? What do we have to do? How can we be better? What can we optimize? Who's injured? How do we get better? And it's turned into this part of our lives. And it's, I don't have any other race in my calendar that's like that. And it's even spun off into other things. You know, we, we have a whole group of guys that get together to do uh, Zwift rides together. It's that big. It's that cool. It's that exciting and fun. You know, Eric, one of the, one of the things that, uh, again, our, our initial, Desire was to show the Blue Ridge Mountains, show the Blue Ridge Mountains with other runners from a from a perspective that nobody else nobody else has, and it has turned into so much more than that. I mean, exactly what you're saying: the stories that we hear year after year, the stories leading into this year's race. Um, it's just it's just um, it's just it's remarkable, you know that uh, that we that I have an op- that that I could be a part of it. Um, just so thankful that I could be a part of it because of, because of everything that's going on around the race and in, in the race and that's impacting the teams in so many special ways. And um, I am, I'm just thankful that, uh, that I play a small role in all of this. Small role. I love it. Um, <laughs> let's uh, testimonials aside for a minute. Ken, what are some of the, the main challenges um, to, you know, launching and, and maintaining the relay, whether it's, permitting, rerouting the course, volunteers, issues that occur during the race itself. What does, what does that look like? What keeps you awake at night? <laughs> Michelle, they're all, <laughs> you, you, I guess the, I guess the timing of this podcast this year, this interview is, is right on. It's strategic. This, this year, more than ever, um, it, it's been sleepless nights and long hours already. Usually at this point, I'm pretty fatigued anyway. But this sure. year, it's, it's this year. I feel like um, I, we've already gone through like three series of leverage relays, and I've gone through the finish line already three different times, mm-hmm. just with um, with what we've gone through this year. Yeah. So normally we've the you know the process that we start. Um, it'll take us about two months to wrap up after the race. So you know, George and Eric, as you were saying, 
it's a year long process of the debriefing and starting over again. And we do the same thing. We have about two, about um, two months to wrap up about a month where, where I just sort of hibernate and uh, just enjoy my life without, with, with very few thoughts of the blue or really, then we're back at it again and starting the process all over again. And um, this year, and normally it's a fairly, fairly smooth process because we've worked with communities. We've worked with the same community groups that staff the course. Um, we've gone through the same permitting process now for 17 years. So it's usually a pretty um, routine um, course of events, but um, this year it's been an exception. Uh, we run two sections of the Blue Ridge Parkway, as you know, and the Blue Ridge Parkway is doing, uh, has construction projects in, in or near those two sections of the parkway that we run. And so they didn't issue special use permits this year. Oh, wow. So yes, yeah, so we've had to um, basically reroute two major sections of the course, one, um, one around uh, Boone and the second one going to the finish line in Asheville. And so it has been a, um, uh, it's, it's just, it's been a long time. It's been a long journey this year of trying to reroute the course, get the permits, uh, dealing with new government entities, um, just, just the whole process. And uh, thankfully it's coming together though. Uh, we've, we've, we've been welcomed with open arms and uh, thankfully the process is coming together. I really appreciate the reroute of uh, leg 35 because it has been <laughs> a constant discussion point on our, on our I was going to ask if that was one of the legs. <laughs> and, and one of our runners, the, um, uh, our leader, our fearless leader, Lee Ragsdale, actually yesterday um, drove, no, actually Monday, he drove 35 to uh, increase his comfort level with it. And I don't think it increased his comfort level too much, but <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you changing that leg just because of the difficulty that, or the, the consternation that you've created for Lee. <laughs> so Ken, when you, when you change legs like that, do you think that some of those legs or at least some of the things that we experience as part of those legs are going to stay changed? Um, and the reason why I ask is because I know that as soon as we started doing the Blue Ridge Relay, um, there's 36 stages, 36 legs. Um, and we start saying, okay, let's see how many we can check off. Let's see how many we can do. Like probably of those 36, 30 of them have unique features that make you want to try them. Um, and, and I think in total, I've only done probably 17 or 18. Um, and so I, I've never gotten to do some of the legs maybe that got rerouted. I was supposed to do one of the legs this year, the one that goes into the swimming pool there and blowing rock um, <laughs> that, that got rerouted. And I've been looking forward to that one because that's, a, you know, this really kind of iconic leg that goes on the Blue Ridge Parkway and stuff like that. So, um, and so as you, when you reroute, because I know you've had to reroute in the past too, you had to reroute in 2020 because of COVID-19 and things like that. Um, when you've had to reroute in the past, have you gotten on new roads and been like, oh, this is actually better? Or is your goal to try and maintain the traditional stages that you've had over time? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think there's two parts to it. One is that we've had teams running with us for so long that some of those runners on the teams have run all the legs. So we had to give them something new, mm -hmm. right? Because we don't want to lose <laughs> them and say, hey, we're, you know, we're done. We've done all the legs of the Blue Ridge Relay. Now we don't have to run anymore. Um, <laughs> that's great. That's but, crazy. Uh, no, that's, that's not the case. But the... Um, We've had that question in the past of, you know, can this race get bigger? And maybe we could by changing the course and, and getting on bigger roads where we could have access to bigger parking lots, to have bigger exchange zones. And it's not something that I want to do. Um, I want to try to keep it as close to the original as we possibly can. Now, with, with some growth over the years, we've had, to, <clears throat> we've had to modify the course a little bit because of exact, exactly that reason. You know, we've had some exchange zone parking lots early on that could handle 10 or 15 vans. And that wasn't realistic going forward if, if, if this event was going to grow and, um, you know, to any extent. So we've had to open the course up a little bit and make some minor modifications to it. But for the most part, George, yeah, I really, um, our desire is to keep it as original as possible. And, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm excited about this year's course. Um, yeah, like 30, like 35 and 36, they're, they're unique, very unique legs because of the modifications that, that we had to make. But, um, you know, the course through Boone, it's, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, cool. The roads that we're running and getting on the Boone Greenway and being able to go through Boone, mm -hmm. that is an exciting part of the course this year that uh, we haven't experienced before. 
Very good. Very good. No, I, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to that part of the course, even though it's not what I initially thought it was going to be, right? Even though it's not yeah. what, what I initially envisioned. So jumping away from the Blue Ridge Relay for just a second, I'm sure we're probably going to end up jumping back to it here. Um, so Blue Ridge Endurance, you said that the Blue Ridge Relay was actually the first thing you, you, you set up, the first race that you directed, but, but you've, you've grown Blue Ridge Endurance into additional races. Uh, the New River Marathon, which I ran this past spring, um, which is, takes in part of the Blue Ridge Relay course. <laughs> um, and then of course the Tobacco Road Relay, which Eric and I both did this past spring um, as a first year event. Um, it seems like you've tried to maintain that showcasing the beauty of Western North Carolina idea. You've tried to maintain that sort of unique idea. Um, um, am, I, am I right that you're trying to do that? And, and kind of what, what have been some of the challenges you faced in, in I guess, becoming a full-time race director of, of multiple events rather than just the Blue Ridge Relay? I think, I think time more than anything else is, uh, you know, is a challenge because again, the Blue Ridge Relay consumes so much time. Mm. Uh, my other, you know, my other full-time job is that we have a custom wood shop, mm. uh, Gumridge Mill and Flying Big Furniture. So that's, you know, my second full-time job. And, um, and I guess my other full-time job is chasing after my kids. Right. Uh, as we all know. So um, I'll, I'll tell you, it, it's the, the I just enjoy it. You know, I really enjoy it. And, and I guess to answer your question, George, the um, when, we're, when we're looking for a course, and I know you ran the New River Marathon this year and you had a great race. And congratulations on that again. <laughs> um, but we want we want to do something unique. You know, we want to get out of the cities. Or, or if we're in the city, like the Tobacco Road Relay, we're looking for a, a different take on it. We're looking for a different perspective, um, something unique rather than a, a typical race that's going to run down the road, the middle of the road. And, um, you know, you have your traditional start line, traditional finish line. We're trying to do something unique just to give the runners different, again, just to give the runners a different experience. Um, I obviously love the relay concept because of the, the, because of the team concept. Um, you know, that, that's, that's just near and dear to my heart going back to, you know, my competitive running days at, uh, you know, in, in college. So, um, you know, that, yeah. that's something we're always going to be looking for. College cross country feel. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> you're, you're an individual, but at the same time, you have, you have your teammates that you're relying upon. Uh, um, do you think people choose to run your relays or any relay, you know, for different reasons than they might choose to, to run a road race and do try to speak to that, you know, when you're creating, um, I mean, I, was that like the impetus behind tobacco road? Just, it seemed we all, we kind of branded it as like a mini blue Ridge relay. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about why you started that and kind of what the goal was behind that first blue Ridge relay? Yeah, I, th I think the neat, I think the neat thing is, is going back to, is going back to my college days when it was really my first experience of running cross country on a team. Um, you know, I ran in high school, but there really wasn't a, a dedicated group of runners that were running that race. And I think the, the, the relay concept, or I know the relay concept for me, and again, when I think back to me, when we ran Hood to Coast Relay with a bunch of my alumni friends, um, it was just a great experience, great time to get, get together again, race together again, and have that, have that camaraderie. And I think there are a lot of uh, uh, adults, um, shall we say, or runners that, that enjoy running but have never had that team experience sure. um, and this is an opportunity now for them to go out and have that that team experience doing something that they love to do and um, so yeah I hope the Blue Ridge Relay I hope the Tobacco Road Relay <clears throat> we've got another one on the back burner that oh, I hope will give that I hope will give runners the the opportunity to go out and experience that that team environment and yet see uh, you know see the beautiful country that we live in and and, and see you know, the cities from a different perspective in relation to the tobacco road relay. Are, are you going to tell us a little bit more about that other one you have uh, kind of cooking right Seriously, now? Seriously, what's because, on the back Because if, there, if there's another event I'm going to have to put on my annual calendar here, Ken, I kind of need to know, man. <laughs> All right, I'm going to keep my back pocket for right now just right, because cool. uh, we, have, we have some work to do on it. And uh, I want to make sure that we, we, we get the groundwork laid before we, before we throw it out there. Very but it's, cool. it's, it's, a neat, it's a neat venue, neat course. So right. why we're talking about stuff on the back burner, would you ever consider a trail relay or is this diving too far into what might be on the back burner? <laughs> no, it's not. Um, that's not what this one is. Um, is it even it, possible or is it? 
I think it is. Logistical, I, yeah. I, I think it is, and, and it's it's and it's been done to some extent by um, there are some other trail relays out there or um, or races that do incorporate some trails, and uh, and I think it's a neat idea. Um, I really do because it, it gives it gives those runners who want that challenge of being on the trail again the same experience that we're doing with Blurge Relay, which is hundred uh, percent you know one hundred percent roads. It, it seems like one of the big challenges you would face, um, and I always think about this whenever we're running it, it's 200 miles point to point from Grayson Highlands uh, Park in Virginia to, to Asheville, as you said at the, at the outset. And that's 200 miles worth of, of volunteers that you have to coordinate. And that's 36 different exchange zones of, of uh, people that you have to get volunteer did you have staff for one thing you have to get volunteers for but you also have to kind of get on the same page in terms of uh like race policy and and things like that um i guess the question there is like how do you do that that just seems really really difficult (laughs) yes yeah so one of the things one of the things that we have been very fortunate uh is that we have community groups that come back and work with us year after year and that is a big bonus because there's a captain or a couple of captains for each community group that i communicate with and then they go out and they recruit their volunteers, they recruit their staff, and they disseminate the information and they make sure that they're doing what they need to do. So that's, that is such a big plus when we have these groups that work with us year after year. And that's, again, that's, that's one of the other huge compliments that we get is that we're doing something right with these groups. And they love coming out um, and, and working with the race and they love serving, uh, you know, serving the runners. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. Is there ever, or has there ever, and if you have an anecdote that's fun to share, by all means share it, but has there ever been a time when like a particular exchange zone or a group of volunteers just completely went off on their own or (laughs) no-showed you or something else like that and just created a a race day crisis? I mean, is that something that happens? We have had um, community groups this past Friday, I got an email from a community group that says they cannot work with us this year. So it's not race day, but it gives me about about nine days to to find another group to fill that slot. And um, you know, the I, I I've had a couple of years where um, we've had we've had a group that we're just, or an exchange zone that we we're still trying to staff, and literally I've had somebody come up to me at the start line and said, "Hey." I'm here just hanging out with this team. Just want to be here at the start and watch this team go off. But I'm not running. I'm just, uh, there's just a couple of us here that just sort of came to watch the start and then watch the finish. Um, can you can you use, use us anywhere on the course? That's awesome. And I pull my bag of goodies out and say, I've got a shade zone. <laughs> yes, I can. Staff. And um, it's, it's just been neat to see how it, uh, you know, how, how it all comes together. So in How other words, if Michelle were to go to Western North Carolina with some of her buddies this weekend or next weekend for the Blue Ridge Relay, you would find something for her to do? I'll put her to work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Hilton Head. I can't. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> um, so, Ken, how many are you on race day? I mean, how many people does it take to execute the Blue Ridge Relay? You know, I, I really don't know, but I, I'm assuming we're, we're probably 300 plus is, is what wow. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. That's and, awesome. and, that, I think that's that, that's just sort of basic number. So I don't know how many people are in the kitchen cooking, you know, uh, you know doing baked potato or uh, doing the pancakes. I don't know how many people at the fire department are, are cooking up the baked potatoes. Sure. Um, so all those type of numbers, I, I really don't have a good feel for. But um, I'm, I'm guessing we're probably about 300 people that staff the course. I think this is a great opportunity to, to shout out to them. Never had a ne- negative experience. They're always as helpful as can be. It's, and it's a wide range of people. You have the guy who is obviously like some military background directing traffic. And he's very clear what he wants you to do. And he's very directive. And that's, that's essential at two o'clock in the morning when you have um, 50 vans pulling in and out of a, an exchange zone. But then you've also got the people that are just so happy to say hi and, hey, would you like a seat? Would you like a drink? You know, the guys at the fire station, um, they are phenomenal fire stations. Um, I, I have never had a negative experience. Well, um, not with people. I've had some negative experiences on the course. <laughs> <laughs> with animals? Due to maybe elevation gain. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Shout, shout out to the volunteers. We appreciate your volunteering yeah. and not going to Hilton Head. 
<laughs> okay, okay. Um, so Ken, I'm curious, have you run the whole 200 miles? I mean, maybe not with some of the recent changes for this year, so to speak, but have you run the whole course? I have not. What and, are you doing? <laughs> and that is a that is a goal of mine that I will. My hope was to do it this past spring, but um, I, and honestly, to to partner up with a friend of mine, he would just come along and support. Sure. And we would do, and we would do it over a, a dedicated several weeks where we just go out and hit a couple of legs a day and get the miles yeah. in and, and just do it. So um, I just had some I had some injuries just just keep creeping in, creeping in that I just couldn't get the base to do it this year. Um, well, my hope is that we could one of these one of these springs. I'm going to get out there early in February, March, and uh, and do it. Um, no, I've driven it probably a thousand times, but I've never <laughs> run it. Yeah. Um, of the parts you have run, do you have a favorite? Or even if you haven't run it, do you have a leg that you think goes down as your favorite? Or a single leg? Mm -hmm. um, you know, every every time I get out there, I think I do. But then I drive the next leg, or I'm on the next leg, and all of a sudden it changes. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I love I love the legs that that are on the single lane dirt roads, um, where they're dropping down through a little hollow. Um, I, I think just that 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 was the vision for the race, and, and they're they're the ones that are probably the most special to me. Do you, do you suppose you might do the race as a competitor sometime? I had some uh, a couple of years ago. I had some of my um, Bucknell alumni friends. Um, say they wanted to come run it, but the only reason, the only way they would come run is if I ran with them. And, <laughs> and at that point, I wasn't able to let go of everything that goes on throughout that, that 30, that 36 hour period of time, 40 hour period of time. Um, so I wasn't able to do it. My, my hope is one of these years I'll be able to, I would love to do it. I'd love to get together with a group of friends and go out and do it. Um, but the hard part for me would be just be turning over the reins yeah. of everything that goes on throughout the, throughout the night and throughout for the sure. day, um, to, uh, to someone else. And, um, I guess I just want to make sure that the answers that, that are needed are, are the ones that are being given. Sure. Sure. So going back to that question about favorite legs, so it's kind of a two-parter. The, the first thing is, um, if, if you're not familiar with the Blue Ridge Relay, um, Ken and his staff, I don't know if it's Ken that makes these decisions or, is, or he has a staff that helps him, they grade the legs. So the legs are easy, moderate, hard, very hard, or mountain goat hard. And you don't need to go through the whole like scale, but there are certain, I would call them epic legs. And, you know, everybody, I think everybody wants to do them or they think they want to do them, but those are your, your, your mountain goat hard legs. Can you give like a, I don't know, like a quick, just like how, how you came up with that, why those are specific and those never change. And, and whether you would add a mountain goat leg in the, down the road or anything, or if, if that's what they are, that's it. They're, you're never going to add anymore. Like what, what's the mindset on those mountain goat legs? Yes, we actually have a scale that uh, I have a scale that I use to grade the legs. It's based on it's based on distance and primarily elevation gain um, that we use to to rank the different legs. And of course, there are a couple exceptions. You know, those being uh, what are they 30, 31, and thirty three uh, historically. And, and I just I just think they're 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 unique in themselves, just because thirty one is. With the exception of the first mile, which is down in the beautiful River Valley, uh, you know, outside of Pensacola, uh, Pensacola, North Carolina, that is, um, and then it, and then it's a five mile just constant ascent, and then of course, um, you know, leg thirty three, it's the steepest, the steepest grade of any other leg on the entire course, and that's both the ascent and the descent. Um, it's just it's both just are painful. <laughs> So no, they're, they're special. I, I've had questions about I've had questions about other legs, whether or not they justify a mountain goat ranking or not. And uh, I think that mountain goat ranking is just it's, it has to be preserved and protected. And even like 35 this year, I've received numerous emails from runners saying, hey, "What about like 35? Is that about we go?" <laughs> and that's not something that we're just going to throw out there lightly uh, because again, I think it's a special uh, special ranking. And if 35 this year is a one and done, which which um, really I hope to be back on the Parkway next year. Um, I'm not going to throw a mountain goat ranking on it if it's just to be a one and done. So um, on the on those lines, 
I was going to say, we all have a follow-up I'm question sure. to what you just said. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that other teams do this also, but do you have like nicknames for some of those legs? You know, do you know, and I'll, I'll throw one out there. The, the, um, we call it the Blair Witch Project leg. And it was leg 16 last year. It's a 3.1 mile leg. It's off-road for the begin. Well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a dirt road, kind of a rocky dirt road. But um, we call that the Blair Witch Project because usually we were hitting that at night and it was, you know, it's usually a little bit foggy. So we have like these nicknames. Are there like some nicknames that you've heard about some of these legs that you, you feel free to express on the podcast <laughs> that, you, that may be dear to your heart? There are there are a couple that I've heard that um, really I couldn't repeat on a on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, Eric Eric knows that some of them are unrepeatable because some of our nicknames for those legs are also not repeatable. <laughs> they just stay in the text box. The Blue Ridge yeah, they, they, they stay box. they stay on the van even. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but when I hear them, I usually I usually smile and just keep going and just uh, let the teams enjoy them. Um, so. Can I have a question about the the scaling and you know the way that everything is ranked? I don't know if you know this, but George and Eric and their cohorts are a bunch of well, not George, but the rest of them are engineers. So they come into the race with the most unbelievable precision. I met them a few years ago. Uh, I ran the virtual Boston Marathon up in Todd, and then I think I met them at the swimming pool in Blowing Rock that you guys were talking about. They knew a few days before they're going to be pulling in at like 419 or something. They clock it out to the minute. By the way, they were late. They did not. <laughs> but I'm curious from a race director standpoint, standpoint, can you tell the teams that are you know meticulous and crafting this race down to the minute versus the ones that kind of just wing it? Um, and do you think that the milk and cookie guys have an advantage maybe overall or the ultra master group because of how strategically meticulous they plan their run versus other people that just kind of show up and know when they're trading off? There, there's a right answer, Ken. I want to know if it's really worth it. Is it really worth all the nonsense that they go through? And the answer doesn't matter. It's not going to change how we approach the race. That's... I want to know. Yes, it's worth it. Um, why? Why? Because I'll give you I'll give you a contrast to that. When a team comes up to me at the start line, and the person approaches me and says, hey, "I'm a driver for this team. Where do I Where do I go from here?" Oh gosh! Um, and that is the other extreme, and my heart just breaks. I'm just like. I don't know what to tell you at this point. Your team, your first runner just left the start line. And all, the best I can tell you is try to get on the website and try to get as much of that information digested, you know, now while you can or when you get back into town. Um, so, yeah, I, I really do think I do think it's worth it because, again, it's just if you get out there and you get lost, you make a wrong turn. If you aren't prepared to eat when you, you know, when you need to eat and, and do all the right things, I think it could be a it, it could be a long 30 hours. Uh, 36 hours that you're out there for sure and, and, and i think that's a two-part two thing and you just hit both parts because one part is the team organization you know george mentioned on the outset we've got a runner who runs the first leg and then he's kind of like team mom he is getting us to soccer practice he has it all programmed into his phone like all the turns and you know he he does all of that for us but it's the super second nice piece, not have to worry about that. Oh yeah. The second piece is the personal route, you know, rotation, especially for an ultra masters team, you know, Michelle's making fun of us for our spreadsheet, but this, one of the things the spreadsheet has is time before your next leg. And that, when you have an hour and a half to two hours before, maybe three before your next leg, there's a, you know, George is big on this and I am too cool down, rehydrate, refuel, change out of your wet clothes, you know, do, you know, maybe it's eat something and then you've got to go to the bathroom and then you've got to get your mindset for the next one. And then you've got it, then you're all of a sudden you're warming up and the next thing's going. And if, if you don't have like a personal routine and your team doesn't have a team routine, that could be a complete disaster. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, even when you have nine or 12 runners, that could be a disaster. 
And when you said the driver coming up to say, where do I go? I, I cringed. But the van's not there when you show up is not good. You know, you show up after running your 10 mile leg and the van's not there. That's not good. But do they still finish the race? Does the disaster still have a good story to tell after? I'm sure that I'm sure they have a great story. We hear great stories. (laughs) But if that happens, that that scenario where a runner pulls into an exchange zone and believe me, it happens more often than you would than you would wish it wouldn't. But my phone it blows up during the night uh, from the exchange zone saying, hey, Ken, got a runner here, you know, bib number such and such, and the team's not here. They just came in. You know, the runner that's, just came in. What, what do we do with them? What do we, where, you know, where do we go? That's so and, sad. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. And sometimes the team is there. They're just sleeping, and they forgot to wake up. Mm. And other time, <laughs> but other times the team van is, gets lost on the course, right. and they're trying to figure out how to get to that next exchange point or the transition zone. So what's happening? So do you have a recommendation, like just on the outset? Because I'm sure we have some Blue Ridge runners like listening to this, or they will listen to this. Um, Do you have a recommendation for what a runner should do if they show up at the exchange zone and the van's there, but the runner's not there? Like, I I don't. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm editing this, Ken. It doesn't matter what you say. This is this is is Eric trying trying to take a dig at me uh, for for actually missing an exchange with him four years ago. Um, We can move on. So so we'll set aside the fact that Eric literally missed the start of that whole race that year. They can. This is what they do. They'll just do this for hours. But yet he's giving me a hard time for missing an exchange in the middle of the night. Can we bring it back now? All right, right, let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Okay. We're we're semi-intentional about setting the actual official clock, um, you know, different than the the true time, just to keep people on their tails right from the beginning. (laughs) I know that now. (laughs) All right, so I have a follow-up question to the to the talking about the course or the stage rankings um, and the mountain goat hard and all that sort of thing. is there ever been or has there ever been a time when you looked at a, a proposed route or a proposed leg and said, no, we can't do that. That's too hard. Um, or we can't do that. That's too many turns. or That's too much traffic or, or something else like that. Yeah, this never too hard. Um, I, I think I think that's honestly, I, I think that's just, that's just part of the experience. You know, we're, we're in the mountains and the mountains are there. And um, and if you look at the last, you know, historically, if you look at the last six legs of the Blue Ridge Relay. They, they may be the c- combined hardest six legs of the race. You know, when you put those, those six legs together yeah. and that's just, you the take out the may, right? they are. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's just the nature of the, that's just the nature of the mountains getting over, getting over a couple of mountains. Uh, too many turns. Um, yeah. Lake 36 this year. Um, we, we, we drove it, drove it, drove it, drove it, mapped it, mapped it, mapped it, mapped it. And um, it's a lot more turns than we really want. But it were, but 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 the course it, it, it puts the runners on sidewalks, puts them on smaller roads um, to get away from get away from the Asheville, Asheville traffic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, the fewer the fewer the turns, the better in in, in my book. Um, but you know, again, we have to get from point A to point B, and sometimes it takes it takes a lot of turns to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have leg thirty six this year with all those turns. Yeah. That's the current plan, so we'll see. I'm just, I'm just hoping our I'm just hoping our signs stay out there for the as the runners are coming through, you know, and they don't get they don't get pulled for some some random reason. Me too, me too. Yeah. Election season we hasn't quite started yet, so so that'll probably be helpful too. So so that the your signs won't get lost amongst all the election signs because that's, that's right. something that happened in the in the tobacco road relay after. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. What was the leg we were talking about earlier today, George? It goes through. Is it Jefferson? West Jefferson's leg six. West Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got a lot of turns through there too. We've gotten a couple runners uh, sideways in, in that leg. I think we figured it out, but mm-hmm. that's, that's happened a couple of times. That's kind of fun though. That's in the beginning kind of middle of the race. Well, we changed that leg this year. Y'all saw that. Oh, good to know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry guys. The driver's got it. Um, Ken, this is like the, the one be all question. Were you aware that uh, Grant Fisher was running your relay last year? And are you aware that he's potentially running it again this year? Yes and yes. <laughs> and you know, and you know who Grant Fisher is, right? Yes. Does he, uh, what does that feel like <laughs> to have such a superstar come run it? Or is he no different than George and Eric or? <laughs> you know, honestly, from a, I guess from my, from my standpoint, um, and I'm not, 
we're, I mean, we're thank, we're, I'm excited to see every runner that comes out and runs with us. Sure. So, so, you know, so a superstar elite world-class athlete coming out. Um, yeah, it's a neat side story, but I don't see him being any different than the team that's going to come out there and run 1030 yeah. pace from start to finish. Um, in fact, the team that goes out and runs 1030 pace from start to finish. I mean, that's really just a remarkable effort that those people are putting into it because they're being out there for 36 hours is, is a lot longer than being out there for 20 hours. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I think, I think it's neat. Um, I don't know. I mean, um, and again, I, I, my guess is it probably goes back to his days of, of running in college where he wants 100%. to come back and hang out with his running buddies and just enjoy that experience again, enjoy the camaraderie that he had, you know, with yeah. those group of guys. Um, you know, just like I mean, George and Eric and the, and the milk and cookie boys, you know, it's just yeah. that getting back together again, enjoying that, enjoying that experience. I don't know him. And obviously I've never spoken to him, but I imagine that he, the way that, you know, you say, uh, the race feels about having him there is probably exactly what he's, what he's looking to get out Good of being point. there. Just like your experience, yeah. you know, from hood to coast years ago, he gets to kind of just hang out with a bunch of his running friends and do something fun and doesn't matter time or place or anything. Uh, it's just kind of like one of the boys. So, yeah. but it is pretty cool. I mean, a lot of people know about the blue Ridge relay now that did not know about it before <laughs> he showed up there last year. My guess is the time and place are still going to matter. Probably um, for them. Didn't they put, I, I, right. What did they put? Like six minute average pace or something? No, like five Less. ten average pace. Yeah. Five, five, ten. Yeah. Five yeah. ten, five thirteen. So my, my, my guess is, you know, we, we've had over the years, and, and unfortunately, uh, we've had two teams that have run with us many, many years. One of, the, one of those teams is the Asheville Running Collective. The other one is the uh, Charlotte Running Club. And unfortunately, neither of those teams are running with us this year. Mm. And they historically have been the top two teams that have set the course record. I mean, they just kept trading off the course record year after year. And uh, those two teams are the closest – finish that there ever was they were separated by 10 seconds wow oh my gosh um, wow. so yeah i mean coming coming into the finish um yeah there was 10 there were 10 seconds apart so unfortunately those two teams aren't there because i think um it, it'd be fun to see those three teams uh the book of bad boys and those two other teams get together and see them go head to head so maybe one of these years maybe next year i'll plant the seed um that will get those three elite teams together and yeah uh, we watch them go head to head. That Very would cool. be great. Yep. We're, we're usually catching most teams um, <laughs> that we see on the course. And we get this experience now of not just getting past, but getting past at a pace that <laughs> you're not even considering chasing that runner. It's, it's, it's not even a thought. It's wow. He just, yeah. yeah or or get, getting passed by getting passed by an Olympian. That's pretty cool. <laughs> hey, it is pretty cool. Yeah. You know, if, if, if somebody's going to pass it's, you, they might as well be the fourth best uh, 10,000 meter runner in the world. You know, it's, it's, I'm it's okay cool. with that. Yeah, or his too. friends. I'm, I'm okay with that. Oh, you Absolutely. know that guy. Yeah. Me too. Good. Me too. Yeah, thank you. I actually appreciate that pass. <laughs> so on, on, on that note, Ken, um, you mentioned, I didn't know that about 10 seconds separating the closest ever finished. That's insane. That's crazy. Um, over the course of more than 200 miles. Um, I just can't imagine being that close. Um, are there other kind of, uh, really memorable, either memorable for positive things or memorable for negative things? Um, uh, things that have happened over the course of the past several years, the past decade and a half since you've been having the race, like which memories stand out the most to you? I mean, I'm usually brain dead at the finish line, so it's uh, it's going to take me a while to figure that one out. Great story, you know. And 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 I think it's, you know, again, it's just the stories that come from the teams. You know, this year we have a team of 12 runners from around the country, and they all are diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Oh wow! And there's research out there that supports the benefits of cardiovascular exercise yeah. on Parkinson's disease, on um, diminishing the, the the side effects, the and, and, and um, you know, a greater prognosis. And so we have 12 runners coming on one team that's running the Blue really this year. Hmm. So it's those type of just, just truly uh, human hero, remarkable stories that we hear um, every year of, of the reason why people come out and run the race. And I think they're, my, they're definitely my favorite stories. Um, you know, Timmy, a team of uh, women's team last year who one of the runners on the team was a breast cancer survivor. 
and the 12 runners got together or the 11 runners joined their joined their friend and came out just to have this experience and support her and, and you know say hey you know we love you and we're with you and you know we're you know we're, we're here with you in this on this journey um so it's those type of stories that we hear year after year that uh, I, I think are just again which we never anticipated but um it's so it's so neat that we could be a little part of that and um, um as, as people are, are living these experiences very cool very cool we will look forward to hearing what those big stories are that come out of the uh 2022 edition of the blue ridge relay here um ken we really appreciate you being with us on the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. Um, we are very excited about seeing you in person next week. Yes, looking forward to it. Thank, thanks for having me. This has been fantastic. I can't believe an hour has gone by already. Um, I feel I feel like I could do this for a few more hours, but um, yeah, great. Oh, well, we see can you all. too, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we probably will. Let's face it. <laughs> thanks again, Ken. Yeah, uh, Eric, Thank appreciate you being here. Thanks, Michelle. Take care, guys. Thanks, George. Always fun. Can can't wait to see you. Yep, we're seeing you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasant podcast, on Twitter at Pleasant Podcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter, at itlcoaching, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com. Facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter at official SlayRx. And Instagram, here for SlayRx. The number four, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT22. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.